Welcome to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. I'm sitting in the luscious and amazing tour van of a band called Tough Age. I'm going to go around in a circle and get everyone to introduce themselves, their name, and what they do in the band. My name is Jared Evan Sampson, and I uh, play guitar, and sometimes I play bass, and I sing uh, in the band Tough Age. My name is Penny, and I play the bass, and sometimes the guitar, and I sing in the band called Tough Age. My name is Jesse, and I play the drums. So, you guys, this is the last stop on your West Coast tour. That's pretty exciting. How has the tour been? Super good. (laughs) Yeah, this is maybe the best tour I've been on. We had a lot of really good shows and a lot of really good bands, which is uh, nice, but not always guaranteed on tour. Uh, It was also very warm, so January to go down to California was a good call. But uh, yeah, like good shows and not a lot of horrible drives and good weather is uh, all around going to be a good tour. And we said like the mark of it being good is that we all could keep going right now. We're like, oh yeah, we'd be fine. Like nobody wants to kill each other. We're all having a good time. So good tour. That is the mark of a good tour. Well, how about we play a song? I want to play the song that ends your set at the end of the show that you're about to go on stage and do tonight. What song would that be? Uh, That will probably be the song Shame from our new album also called Shame. Let's imagine for a second that there are people out there who've never heard of Tough Age before. Can you give them a sentence to help them prepare for this track? Well, number one, that is not easy or not not easy to imagine. Uh, you should be prepared to confront yourself and your past actions and also listen to me.
Welcome back to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard the track Shame. It's the title track off the third record by a band called Tough Age. I am in their tour van, and it's a little bit messy, filled with coffee cups from a long tour. It was Jarrett that introduced this song. How about somebody else from the band talking a little bit about the track Shame for us? Oh, no, that's, it's got to be Jarrett. He wrote it. <laughs> still talk. You can still talk about our music, even if I wrote it talk about it a little bit, I guess. It's, a, I think, the longest Tough Age song. It's 11 minutes long, the recording. It's got a long noise guitar outro. It's a slow burn. It's, uh, yeah, it's an epic. <laughs> so, Jared, I read you say a few things about it, and one of the things you said is that a lot of musicians write songs to purge emotions or experiences, but this song is your reaction against that impulse. Uh, I think I'm against that impulse in general. I think that that's like a, a real cop-out answer, something that people feel like they've learned to say. So, oh, like the Rolling Stones might say that. That sounds cool. Whereas the reason that I've always written songs about the bad things I've done or the things I don't like about myself is to remind myself that those things are in me so that when I perform them, they are in the forefront of my mind. And that is a good way to both talk about it and deal with it uh, personally on a personal level, but also to not let yourself slide back into any of those actions because it's every time I play the song, I think about why I wrote that song in the first place. To some, that may sound very sadomasochistic. I think it's just good. It's growth. Uh, I, I don't go to therapy. I don't have money, so I think about my own actions, and I don't beat myself up. It's not about uh, going home and saying, oh, you piece of garbage. But it's just remembering that the person you've been still informs the person you are and that you don't get to let yourself off the hook just because uh, you've changed. All right, so Tough Age. You guys are a little bit infamous in indie music circles because there's a poster or there was a poster of your band above Archie's bet on Riverdale. So first of all, I would love you to tell me what Riverdale is. Oh, Riverdale is, uh, you shouldn't, oh man, I have a lot of complicated feelings. Riverdale is the Archie Comics television show which bears very little resemblance to the Archie comics that I know and love. So let's stop for a second and give a little bit of context. So, Jarrett, not only are you one of the main members of Tough Age, but you're also, your day job, you work in a comic book shop. I do. I've worked in comics for over a decade now at this point. Uh, Yeah, I like comics. So you are very well acquainted with the Archie comics, but Penny would like to get in here. I also work at the comic book shop. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. An important note. <laughs> that is a very important note. So maybe, Penny, how about you describe the Riverdale show versus the Archie comics? Uh, well, I only watched uh, one to two episodes of Riverdale because I heard that our poster was in it. Uh, it seems to be a very serious show. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I can talk about Riverdale. I've watched every episode of the show. So uh, I'd say it's a melodramatic retelling of the Archie tropes, the gals and pals, uh, but with a lot more soap opera and uh, violence and drug use and extreme television drama. It's fun and terrible at the same time, I would say, but having our poster above Archie's bed was a weird thrill that none of us expected. Archie's looking at you guys when he wakes up and right before he goes to bed. He was, but then he took it down which is why I'm being glib and turned my back on uh, on the television show Riverdale, of whose first season I entirely watched, but I refused to get into the second one until I confirmed our poster's presence. I found out they took it down, which in continuity means, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched R- Riverdale, his dad got shot, 
he refused to go into his bedroom and he sat up with a gun all night but sometime in then he decided he no longer liked tough age and it was really important to go into his room and take the poster down and replace it with what seems to be a generic poster of drums we have some strange theories about this though because we think maybe it's my drum kit archie (laughs) is that much of a fan that he just took a photo of my kit at a sound check blew that up and hung it up in his room and so he's actually increasing his tough age fandom in season two I like that theory. So, Tough Age, I'm going to ask you right now, if you had to play one Tough Age song from any record that Archie specifically needs to hear, what would that song be? Uh, <laughs> that he needs to hear? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe uh, Unclean. Notice uh, Archie sits around shirtless a lot of the time, so some unclean archie content on television it's a little filthy racy it's not unclean
Welcome back to The Interview Show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard the track Unclean by a band called Tough Age off their third record, Shame. I have the whole band here with me, stuffed into their tour van. This song was actually selected by Jesse for Archie, the character in Riverdale, to listen to. Now let's hear the reason why. Uh, I think that it's just the most sexy <laughs> Archie imaginable. So that's why he needs to hear Unclean. <laughs> Yeah, KJ Appa, the uh, New Zealand sensation. And his music is kind of strange, you know, his dramatic covers of uh, Mad World and uh, Jack Johnson-esque acoustic fare. I think he could deal with a, li- a little bit more of uh, a song like Unclean. This is where my crazy theory comes in, in it, though, because we've had posters in a lot of things, so I have this whole working theory based off of being a comics. It's like a Flash of Two Worlds type thing. So in all these show continuities the band tough age is a very different band so in this universe perhaps we're a jack johnson-esque light folk band so in that world you live in hawaii and do a lot of surfing i believe so yes possibly let's take it back into the real world unclean i'm thinking that that might be a reference to the band the clean oh most definitely yes uh that song was obviously very i mean my love of flying down in the new zealand scene in a greater sense, is no secret. So when I wrote that, very often songs get shorthand names before they get a real name. And I was trying to rename it because I was self-conscious. And I thought that actually goes well with the theme of the song. And it's sort of wearing it on the sleeve instead of trying to pretend like I've never listened to The Clean or that I don't think it sounds sort of like The Clean. So you're obviously a big fan of these bands, but not everyone could be. So why don't we give one or two sentences to fill the audience in on who these guys are? For sure. Uh, well, The Clean are probably the seminal band from the New Zealand scene that is best represented by a label Flying Nun, uh, who are also very nicely tied into the Canadian music scene because our friends The Courtney's second record came out on Flying Nun uh, last year, so it sort of ties back in there. But The Clean came about as sort of just like uh, out of New Zealand, out of nowhere, and it's sort of like very poppy but with a weird sensibility, a lot of uh, instrumentals. And yeah, one of the focal points of a New Zealand scene that at the time in the late 70s, early 80s is just uh, exploding with amazing music, all sort of within uh, the same wheelhouse, but very different iteration styles. And the clean were, to me, sort of the one that jumped styles the most or had the most variety at the time. They had a lot of instrumentals and a lot of uh, weird short pop songs, and then they got further and further into either pop or experimentation as they went along, uh, and lots of other great music out of them. So I'm going to interrupt you and say, can you pick a song by that band for me to play in the background while you're talking so people get an idea of what you're talking about? Oh, for sure. Uh, point that thing somewhere else. It would be the one to play in the background, I think, by the Queen. That's quite appropriate, because I am pointing a microphone at all three of you. while we're talking about all this unclean, our tribute to the clean, so to speak, is perfect for the actor K.J. Appa, who plays Archie, because he himself is from New Zealand. 
so there you go, weird magic. Nice, so Penny, would you like to get in on talking about the clean? No. <laughs> <laughs> Why might that be? <laughs> I don't have that much to say about them. <laughs> They're good. All right, so I was on Twitter today and I was looking at the Twitter feed of Tough Age and I saw this quote that made me smile. It says, I think, Jarrett, you wrote it. I'm not sure, though. One of the funniest parts of being a fat man on tour is that I get to hear people talk about my band a lot before sets because no one assumes that a fat person makes anything. So I thought I'd get you to talk a bit about that first. Sure. Uh, specifically last night, yeah, it, ha- it has happened many times on this tour uh, where I just hear people being like, oh, who is this band tonight? I've never heard of them. I don't know. What, have you listened to them? Or saying like things like, "Oh, I don't know." From, someone said last night, "Oh, they're from Canada, so they're probably pretty boring." <laughs> things like that. Just, but uh, yeah, in general, people do not assume that fat people produce anything of value, uh, and that's occurred in my life many, many times. That people would never think like, "Oh, possibly he is in the band. I shouldn't talk about the band, or I shouldn't say anything," because you know you wouldn't. I don't know, maybe others will, but I wouldn't sit and discuss someone if I, or a band, if I assumed they're in the room and going to listen to me, positive or negative, I would be embarrassed. But yeah, people sort of see right through fat people uh, and they don't think that they could possibly be a person who is an artist or a person who is performing because uh, society just doesn't expect anything of anyone who's overweight. So it's like, it's weird to feel like you're taking up a ton of space and feel invisible at the same time. And that's very often how I feel, especially at Shows uh, like last night, which was a great show and not ragging on it, but a very small packed room where you're constantly made to feel in the way, but also people are looking at you like, why are you here? And the reason you're there is because they're there to see you. Jared is tough age. Absolutely. So Jared, do you like proving these naysayers wrong? I don't care. It says more about them. Uh, I'm pretty used to it. I'm fat and I've always been fat and I'm always going to be fat. It's just... uh, Something that I observe more than anything. Uh, yeah, it doesn't bother me. I don't I don't really care about those people. <laughs> Nor should you. How about we play another track? Let's pick another song you've done, Pecant Freeze. I'd love you to tell me a little bit about that, or someone in the band can tell me a little bit about that before we hear it. Who would like to say one sentence? Um, this is a song that we uh, wrote in our cursed band, uh, Peak Freeze, mm-hmm. and that's why it's called Pecant Freeze. And that cursed band did not last very long because it was cursed, and so it, now it is a tough age song. Yeah, it lives on in a kind of abstracted version of the name of that band in the song title. Sort of means nothing, but uh, we wanted to remember this song because it's very good. And uh, yeah, but like Penny said, that band was strangely cursed. All of our shows had some kind of mishap or another. But we managed to write at least one great song.
Welcome back to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard the track Pecan Freeze by a band called Tough Age off their third record, Shame. We heard Penny and Jesse talk about that before we heard the track. Now it's your turn, Jarrett. Yeah, I uh, actually, I, while that name is definitely not back to Peak Freens, our cursed band, I, the reason that it was called that was still tied into what it was about. And I was trying to write a song that was a little more interpretive. Uh, so that originally started out as uh, uh, in a very different form, but as a poem that I sort of changed over into lyrics. Uh, and yeah, usually my song lyrics are pretty straightforward or uh, surface level in a sense of that they're talking about things or uh, getting my thoughts out. And I wanted this to be more what is he possibly talking about but whilst i still know what i'm talking about all right shame your third record is a little bit of a rebirth of sorts because Jarrett, penny you guys left vancouver british columbia canada to move to toronto which is on the east coast of canada and you got a new member sort of jesse so i'd love you guys to talk a little bit about hitting the reboot button <laughs> sorry i just put the mic in front of you um <laughs> Yeah, it's it's been good. I mean, we're pretty much a whole different band right now, I think, um, from what we were when we were in Vancouver, and it's been fun playing with Jesse. Jesse and I play together in a lot of bands, so <laughs> it's uh, interesting to play with him in this band that we had before and see how it's changed with having him there. Yeah, I was a huge fan of Tough Age. I played in a band called The Ketamines before, and we toured with Tough Age a couple years back, and then later when Jared and Penny moved to Toronto, I was very excited to get to join the fold and we've kind of created this new version of the band together as a trio kind of inspired by we say like our favorite uh three-piece bands like the clean and the Minutemen and husker do and uh the urinals who we've now gotten to play with a couple times the urinals and hundred flowers their other project uh that's kind of a rambling way of saying that i love being in this new version of the band and it's really exciting so i was going to play an older track at this time so jesse since you are such a big fan of the first two records of tough age why don't you pick an older track for us to hear yeah i always loved hearing the song cocaine vouchers from the first album it's just a total ripper that uh, i hope we can bring back in a new form at some point just because i want to try to lay into chris martell's keith moon-esque ripping drum fills um, but that's one of my faves from the first record.
Show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard the track. Cocaine Vouchers. And that's off the first self-titled Half Age record. That's right. Jesse, you picked this song for us to hear, but I think it's time we hear more about this song from some other members of the band. So who would like to tell me more about Cocaine Voucher? Sure, I'll do that. Uh, I talk a lot anyways. Um, Cocaine Voucher is a really old song because it was a song that carried over to Tough Age from my band before. I've sworn off writing songs about the cities I live in now that I live in Toronto and every single band writes about Toronto like it's uh, important. What? And uh, Hold on a second. What did you say? Oh. <laughs> we got a visitor. Oh. All right. Someone is at the door. Should we answer it? No. no we should definitely. We're, <laughs> we're all right, yeah, I think. You gotta lock the van around here, for sure. <laughs> did you hear um, that locking sound? Did that pick up? No, I Okay, so we've established we are safe. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was, uh, I, I refuse to write songs about cities anymore, but it was a song about the height of my distaste with uh, Vancouver, uh, which at the time was uh, really bumming me out and part of it was that as someone who does not do drugs but has no judgment uh, I saw a lot of people get paid up from shows and put it up their nose and that was a slang that me and uh, David Matatal and some people uh, David Matatal used to run Zoo Shop and I played in a band Shipyards with uh, would talk about shows and be like oh it was a good show last night cool how many cocaine vouchers did the band get just a gl- you know, glib making fun of the city so it was about my distaste with the Vancouver scene at the time so you guys have moved from Vancouver to Toronto. Now, if you live in Canada, there's sort of a West Coast versus East Coast vibe between the cities. If you talk to people who are in the arts in the States, they will have a LA versus New York. Mm. Vancouver and Toronto kind of have that thing going on sometimes. So I'd love you to talk about that because you now know both scenes. Uh, My favorite angle on that is anytime I say the East Coast out there, immediately people get pedantic and say, it's not the coast. We're not on the coast. Well, that's true, but I guess, you know, you're not going to say Toronto or Halifax, uh, Vancouver. They do have that really big lake. There is a huge lake. That's, that's true. true. Um, I think it's ridiculous, obviously, either way. The thing I think that is the most notable difference is that I grew up in Vancouver. I lived in Vancouver my whole life till I moved out to Toronto. And Toronto feels very Canadian and in a way that I was not prepared for growing up in Vancouver, which to me 
drew a lot more when I was growing up or the, what I was uh, taking in or where I went was more out of the Pacific Northwest. So Washington, Oregon, California, because it was so much easier to go down there than go to Calgary. So I, I felt really out of tune with a lot of things that were uh, Canadian identity, sort of stereotypical Canadian identity. And maybe that's sort of more the biggest difference. So hold on, just because a lot of people listening to this are not going to be from Canada. So Canadian identity means what? Yeah, I don't know. I guess mainly if you're outside of Canada, like any stereotype you might think about, uh, an exaggerated uh, toque-wearing, hockey-playing, Tim Hortons-drinking Canadian, is not even a joke that I understood before I moved out east. Not to say everyone's like that, but it's just the things that reflect a Canadian identity I didn't have experience with growing up in Vancouver. So that's it feels much more Canadian that way. I do think that there is a funny... You said L.A. and New York, and it is very similar, I think. It's sort of the Canadian equivalency of that, where the cities do feel somewhat different uh, or like a manufactured ability to be different. I think they're pretty much the same thing. (laughs) You see the sun in the winter, and that's the biggest notable difference that makes a positive impact on my life in Toronto. That said, I was doing some research, and one of the headlines of one of the articles, which was an interview with Tough Age, the headline was... He has absolutely no urge to move back to Vancouver. I don't, because why? I mean, (laughs) I had lived here my whole life, uh, which is sort of, you know, there's a lot more to experience. I don't want to stay in Toronto for my whole life either. Uh, There's a lot of places to live in the world. So I have so many excuses to come back here. I have, you know, our labels here. My family is here. So many of my friends and the scene, which I still inspires me and is a big thing. So I'm always going to be back to Vancouver, but I don't think I need to live here again just because, yeah, you know, one life, a lot of world. I'm going to live somewhere else. Yes, and I'm just throwing it out there because it plays into the whole idea of one versus the other. But Mm. before we move on, I want to get some input from Penny and maybe Jesse about Vancouver versus Toronto. Uh, I think the Vancouver versus Toronto thing is different from New York versus L.A. because uh, New York knows stuff about LA and Toronto doesn't really know anything about Vancouver which is too bad because they're really missing out on a great scene yeah I'm just happy to get the insider's guide to Vancouver whenever I come here with Jared and Penny like they take me to Roe Sushi and you know all the hot spots (laughs) and uh, I think there's amazing diverse music communities in both cities I think you just need to know where to look no matter where you are I have nothing but good things to say about either city really I think like the music industry is maybe more center stage in Toronto, but also you can completely avoid it and do things removed from that if you want. So all good. Just like make your own, make your own uh, community, I think. Perfect. I think it's time for another track by Tough Age. The song I'd like to play is The Heart of Juliet Jones. So who in the front of the van would like to talk about that before we hear it? That's a fun one. Uh, we still whip it out every now and again. Uh, it's a crowd pleaser. It's one of the first Tough Age songs I really dug early on too. It's a fun one to play. It's got a swinging beat. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's all right. It's a love song. Why won't you leave my brain and I, why won't you 
Interview Show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard the track, The Heart of Juliet Jones, by a band called Tough Age. I am in the tour van with all three members of the band. Jesse told us a bit about it before we heard the track. So, Jarrett, I'm assuming that you wrote most of this, so how about you tell me a little bit about it? Oh, I did. I'm just uh, looking at one thing because I always screw this up, which is dumb because I should not because I work in comics. But so he's looking at his phone and checking something, I assume. I am. I just always screw up because uh, I heard Julie Jones was a comic strip, and I always screw up which of the photorealist guys did it. And it was uh, it was Stan Drake. And I always want to say Alex Raymond, even though I know that's not correct. So I was making sure I was right. So it was named after an old comic strip, and uh, it was more just sort of like, you know, a very fluffy song. My love of bubblegum is very well known, and I wanted to just write like a fun bubblegum song. And it's... Uh, yeah, it, there's not a lot of... I mean, there's one lyric in the song, like one sentence for the whole song. It's just a pop song through and through, which there's nothing wrong with. I love pop music, but I, that's why I sort of gave it like this throwback weird comic name because it was uh, a very just like fake... Not fake, I guess, but it wasn't like a true-to-my-heart love story or anything like that. It was like a, more of a song just about the feeling of it. I've read in another interview that you said that if you had to have a crush on a comic book character, it would be either Storm or Jubilee from the X-Men. Where are you these days on your comic book crushes? Oh, I mean, that was when I was a child. I have uh, none now. Storm, but it was specifically Storm with a mohawk, which also I think really got me into punk when I was little. Storm used to wear a cutoff vest and have a mohawk. And she was she was so cool. She fought Cyclops. She beat him. She took over command of the X-Men, uh, rightfully so. She ripped out someone's heart at one point. A lot of crazy stuff with Storm. Jubilee, I just always liked because she was snotty, and people made fun of her a lot. But as a kid, she was supposed to be sort of the kid outlook. And so I thought, Jubilee would be fun to hang out with. She's cool. And also, she could roll with Wolverine, which was neat. Uh, You know, she could hold her own with Wolverine. That was good. I liked her a lot, especially the Larry Hamill Wolverine stuff. I always liked Jubilee and that. I'm trying to think of anything current. I don't know. I've been reading uh, Andrew Wheeler and Jim Zub's Freelance coming out from Chapter House, and I think... uh, I can't remember the main character's name of that right now, but uh, he's he's a he's a hunk. I like him. If people want to get into freelance, why don't you tell them what it's about in a sentence? Oh, uh, it's like a reboot of a sort of classic Canadian white comic, which were comics from before the war. So Chapter, I was doing a lot of Canadian uh, content comics. Um, yeah, I don't really, I don't know, I don't want to get into it. It's sort of just like an adventure, like a gay lead adventure comic that's uh, pretty rare. Jim Zub and Andrew, Andrew Wheeler wrote a really great comic called Another Castle, an all-ages comic for Oni. Uh, and Jim Zub is doing a lot of work at Marvel these days and did the first arc with him. He's working on Avengers now, but also worked on uh, a lot of Dungeons & Dragons comic. Had a uh, book called Wayward, an image that he's still doing, Skull Kickers. It's just like a really fun sort of like espionage superhero book with also with a gay lead, which is in comics, unfortunately, never happens. One of the reasons why I was looking forward to doing this interview is because I get to talk about one of my other passions, which I don't usually get to on this show, comics. So we're nearly at the end of the interview and I don't want to keep you too much, but I'd love to talk for a little bit with you guys about a controversy in the comic book world. Any con- any controversy? <laughs> oh, I think pretty much it's going to be me. I think... Uh, Penny works at the, the shop with me and reads comics, but I think probably stays out of the mean pit as a horrible the, scene. You don't read the, the trades? I don't read the gossip. <laughs> <laughs> Is there like a variety for comics? Oh, yeah. It's online. It's called Bleeding Cool. Okay. <laughs> I'm not necessarily know. talking about salacious gossip, but I mean an issue in comics the way that a band would talk about issues in the industry. Hmm. Well, I mean, one of the major issues, I guess, going off what I already said in comics is that there's a real divide between a lack of representation and then when representation exists in comics, 
sort of the old guard pushing back against it in a crummy, you know, pretty standard old white man way. You know, why do we need to change these characters? Why can we have new ones? But that's also ridiculous. So part of the controversy that Marvel, especially for a while, have been pushing a lot of books with uh, representation in their leads and then canceled them. So I don't mean to drop, but I want to make sure that somebody who's never read a comic book understands. So, mm. for example, they killed off Wolverine, the one character everybody knows, and then replaced him with a younger female clone. Mm-hmm. Or say Thor has been a woman for the past couple of years. Uh, and then they had a new Spider-Man who exists alongside Peter Parker, who's Miles Morales, who's a Hispanic and a black uh, character, which is really wonderful to have that. It's like there are kids who come in and they're like, this is Spider-Man who looks like me instead of just a white guy. Uh, America, which was another uh, uh, character and also a queer character, which doesn't happen. Iceman had come out in the last while, so they had an Iceman book, really focusing on his own struggle with like coming out or coming to being gay as an adult man. Just doing a lot of things like that. Even Deadpool and things like that, they started painting Deadpool as a pansexual character and things, which uh, was interesting. But then... Uh, yeah, there's always pushback. You said there's been a bit of pushback, and they have canceled some titles. So what's a solution that you see in the industry? Well, the issue is really there's always other things going on. So some of those books that have been canceled had higher sales numbers than a lot of books that are still going. The thing that I just don't get, and I'm happy I don't get, is that those books have existed for 60 years, some of them. If you want to read about Spider-Man, you have 60 years of comics you can read about Peter Parker. Something changing shouldn't matter or it shouldn't be a big deal because realistically those characters should be done having stories told about them anyways the perpetual second act of comic of mainstream comics doesn't need to go on forever and the idea that it should is just catering to a a subset of people i think comics just need to be uh, representative of everybody the world is changing and people got to change with it and comics is i think always sadly lacking a little bit or falling a little behind in the mainstream sources so what's one comic book that do you think will buck this trend I mean, I th- the freelance, which I named, I think is something that's going really well in that. Unfortunately, a lot of the ones I thought were doing a good job have uh, been canceled. For the big two or bigger comics, I still think Unbeatable Squirrel Girl that Ryan North and Eric Henderson do is a phenomenal, really fun, funny book that has a really wide readership uh, and is just like a fun book to read. I enjoy reading it. All right, Top Age, thank you very much for spending some time with me cramped into the tour van. I really appreciate your time. At the end of the show, I let the band pick a song of theirs for us to hear. So... Guys, would you like to talk for a second and then pick a song for me to put on? Oh, we should play Me and Glue. I think we should throw in Me and Glue, yeah. Patty's song. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you've selected the song Me and Glue off the third record, Shame. Penny's song. Penny, I'd love you to tell me about it as I bring up the music. Uh, this is a song that, um, Jared, it's the first song that Jared and I wrote collaboratively. Uh, he had the guitar part and then I came up with the vocal part. And then when we were recording it, I was like, oh, no, I need to make up words for it. And so I just wrote about how I was feeling at the time. And I wrote all the words and then tried singing them. And I don't know if that's that's what ended up ending on the recording, but I realized I didn't leave any areas for breathing in the song. Uh, (laughs) But that's okay. All right, guys, thank you very much for being on my show. Thank you for having us on the show, Scott. Thank you.
Hi, I'm Jesse. I'm from the band Tough Age. Hi, I'm Penny. I'm in a band called Tough Age. My name is Jared Evan Sampson. I play in the band Tough Age, and you are listening to the interview show with Scott Wood. Scott Wood. Scott Wood.